Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilling. Well, if you pay attention, you notice sometimes that in certain pockets of the body of Christ, in certain areas of the body of Christ, sometimes it looks like people are just experiencing boredom in their faith. You know, there's like a doldrum, there's an apathy when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to their faith. And we may think, you know, if you've ever experienced that, if you've ever been there, you might think to yourself, well, like I feel like there's more, I don't know what it is, I don't know how to get it. I read through the Gospels and I see all these amazing stories in the New Testament and I see all these God adventures, but my life is nothing like that. And so you just kind of feel like, like bored, apathetic in your faith. And you're like, you know, I'm born again. I've been baptized. I come to church. I, I give my tithes and my offerings. I'm, I'm part of a city group. But I just feel like there's just still something missing. There's something more. And I don't know what it is. And I don't know how to get it. I feel like I'm missing out on something. And to that I say, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You know what? Your life might be busy but it might not be fulfilling. Your life might be driven, but it, it's still docile. You, your life might be full of comfort, but you're still dissatisfied. Why? Because you feel like there's just more that you're not experiencing. Where is the more? Here in America, here in Western culture, speaking as a whole, speaking as a whole, our version of Christianity has been sterilized, it's been institutionalized, it's been compartmentalized, it's been pasteurized, it's been homogenized. <laughs> when we talk about who the Holy Spirit is, and we talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, we've downsized and downplayed the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not just meek and mild. Holy Spirit is strong and wild. <laughs> and Holy Spirit is probably the more of God, the more of the things of God that you're longing for. One of the descriptives in, in the scriptures that we see of the Holy Spirit is that he is a dove. It's like a dove. We get that picture in, in um, Jesus' baptism. Jesus is at the Jordan River, and he's being baptized by his cousin, John. And this was not a, um, John was baptizing people in a baptism of repentance, but that was not why Jesus was there. Jesus didn't have anything to repent of. Jesus actually came there for Holy Spirit baptism. Did you ever think about that? So, so Jesus is there, and he, he's baptized, and then what happens? The heavens split wide open. The Holy Spirit, in the form of a dove, come and descends and lands, anoints Jesus. And then you hear the voice of the Father speak, This is my Son whom I love, and I'm well pleased. And there we have right there a picture of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit right there. And, and this is great. We've got this descriptive of the Holy Spirit in this. Did you guys know that the, the Celts? The Celts, uh, they're, the, they're the ones that um, converted to Christianity in the 5th century. They're like, you know, uh, England, Ireland, Scotland, that area. They had another descriptive of the Holy Spirit. It was a wild goose. It was a wild goose. That sounds like an adventure to me. You know, we talk about going on a wild goose chase. It's like following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. It's like a wild goose chase. That's an adventure. It's not boring. 
Life with the Holy Spirit should be adventurous. It's not a static relationship. It's dynamic. We go from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from strength to strength. Holy Spirit is molding us and shaping us into the image of God. Life with the Holy Spirit is not boring. It's an adventure. We walk with God. He heals us. He speaks to us. He empowers us. We're engaged in ministry. We were challenged by Him. We're obedient. We see mountains move. It's an adventure. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that God gives us Holy Spirit to us as a down payment on our eternal salvation. Holy Spirit is part of our inheritance as a believer. Holy Spirit is, is your inheritance. It's part of your inheritance as a believer. I want you to just, just say that right now. Say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is part of my inheritance, part of my inheritance as a believer. How many of you know you can be an heir to an inheritance and not receive it? You can be an heir to an inheritance and not receive it because either, number one, you don't know it exists, or number two, you're afraid of what the inheritance entails, so you don't receive it. About 20 years ago, there was this guy named Tomas Martinez, 67-year-old guy who's living homeless on the streets of Santa Cruz, Bolivia. And, and my understanding is that his life wasn't always this way. His life wasn't always living, living as a homeless person because he had an ex-wife who passed away, and when she died, she left him $6 million. And so the police are out trying to find this guy, and the lawyers are out trying to find this guy because they're trying to execute the will, trying to let him know, hey, you're a new multimillionaire. But he, he hears that the authorities are after him, and he just assumes that it's, they're trying to arrest him because of his drug habits. And so he vanishes. Poof! Gone. He's gone. They can't find him anywhere. And, and one Bolivian newspaper wrote this. They said that about Tomas Martinez, he was a new millionaire, paradoxic, paradoxically not knowing his new fortune. A new millionaire, paradoxically not knowing his own fortune. He was never seen or heard from again. He inherited $6 million, but he ran away because he misunderstood. He completely misunderstood. He was afraid. He didn't know what his inheritance was. He didn't know it existed. And unfortunately, many believers were new millionaires, spiritually speaking, but paradoxically, we're not knowing our own fortune. We, we have all this life-changing presence and power of Holy Spirit available to us, but because of fear, because of ignorance, because of just, I don't even know, we find ourselves in spiritual poverty compared to what really belongs to us. You might be going through life and you might be, be feeling, <clears throat> well, I feel like there's more. And God is like, yes, there is more. And it's my Holy Spirit that's more. Listen, I don't know about you, but I want to lay hold of every good thing that God has for me. Every good, good and perfect gift comes down from the Father, and I want to lay hold of it. Holy Spirit is part of my inheritance. I want my life to resemble that of the Holy Spirit-empowered life that I read about in the Scriptures. I read about all through the Bible. And that's what Jesus wants for your life, too. The Father wants that for your life. We're going to look here at what something Jesus said in John chapter 7, but let me just set this up for you. John chapter 7, the Feast of Tabernacles is being celebrated here. The Feast of Tabernacles is being observed. And what they would do on the last day of the feast, a priest would walk out of the temple with this chalice or a bowl, and they would walk to, to the pool of Siloam. 
And the pool of Siloam wasn't just like, it wasn't like a kiddie pool, like we, you know, you fill up in your backyard. The pool of Siloam was actually kind of, it was a pool that was fed by a spring, the spring of Gihon. So it was fresh water. And they would fill this bowl up with this fresh, cool water. And then in procession, all the priests, the people, they would walk back to the temple and they would sing, like, great is the Lord and great is his mercy. And they would sing these psalms of ascent and they would walk back into the temple and then the high priest would pour out that cool, refreshing, fresh water that had been fed from the spring of Gihon and they would pour it out onto the altar that they made their sacrifices on. And then this, this, this ceremony, this whole feast, was given to them by God 1,700 years earlier up to this point here in John chapter 7. And so every single year when they observe the Feast of Tabernacles, at some point, in the, in the, I think on the last day, they would do this ceremony 1,700 years over and over and over. They're doing this, this perform, performing the same ceremony. What was this all about? It was a shadow of what was to come. It was a shadow of what was to come. The Messiah was to come. And then after the Messiah came, the Holy Spirit would be poured out, not just on a few people, but on all sons and daughters. That's what Joel 2 says. Acts 2 repeats it as well. So understanding this is what's going on here, let's read John 7, verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and exclaimed, Let anyone who thirsts come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within him. He said this in reference to the Spirit that those, uh, to the Spirit that those who came to believe in him were to receive. Of course, the Spirit had not descended upon everybody yet because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Jesus hadn't finished, hadn't completely accomplished what he'd come to earth for just yet. And so Jesus had the Holy Spirit. There were a few people other that had the Holy Spirit, but not the Holy Spirit hadn't been poured out on everybody yet. So now we all know this. Water is a vital part to life. Amen? Amen? amen. I'm, while you say amen, I'm a big squeak of, squeak of water. Water is a vital part of life. You need it to survive. Every living thing needs water to survive. Some living things need more water than others, but every living thing needs water. We need it to drink. We need it to cook with. We need it to clean with and to bathe with. Water is a vital part of life. It's important. Now think about for a moment who Jesus is saying these things to here. He's saying, hey, let anyone who thirsts come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within him. Remember, what's going on here? What river? What are they talking about here? They're talking about this fresh water from the spring of Gihon. And, and so Jesus is saying all this, and he's saying this to first century Jews. Now, first century Jews are very familiar with the system of cisterns. What is a cistern? I'm not talking about like a sister and a brethren. Cistern and a brethren. That's not what we're talking about. A cistern. A cistern is what you collect water in, right? It's, specifically, it's what you collect rainwater in. 
you know, first century Jews, they couldn't just walk over to the sink and turn on the faucet and have just clean water at their disposal. They had cisterns. And, and, and so they used cisterns to collect rainwater, and whatever rainwater that you could collect, that's what you had at your disposable, disposal. That's what you had available to you. That's what you had to use to drink. That's what you had to use to cook with to clean with, to bathe with, to give to your animals, to your livestock. And and that's that's what you had. And so even if you had great cisterns, even if they were large, even if they held their water, if it didn't rain, you didn't have any water. A cistern is dependent upon outward circumstances. But there's another way to get water, and that's to go get that subterranean water. And that's where you dig deep and you dig into the earth and you hit that, that river that's underground. And then you don't have to be dependent upon a cistern any longer. You don't have to worry about collecting rainwater any longer. You want water? Anytime you want it, you just go get it now. You can go to the source. It's a so- system of source, not a system, system of collection and cistern. You've tapped into an underground river. And here in John chapter 7, Jesus is saying, hey, everything that you've been observing, this ceremony that you've been observing year after year after year for this last 1,700 years has all been pointing to me. And what you've been spiritually thirsty for, I've come to give you what you've been longing for. The more that you've been longing for, I'm here to give it to you. Your relationship with God doesn't have to be cistern-based anymore. It can be source-based. It doesn't have to be collected water-based anymore. It can be spring-fed. It can be like a spring-fed river that will never run dry. And what's Jesus talking about? He's talking about Holy Spirit coming to live inside you. Y'all still shouting about coffee and you're not shouting about Holy Spirit. (laughs) Too many Christians are living from a cistern-based system and not a source-based system. We come to church. We come to the prayer meeting. We come to city group. We're in the right environment. We're in the right people. And we collect the reign of God in our experiences. And then we go out and we try to live from from that experience throughout the rest of our week. You're living in a cistern-based system and not a source-based system. I'm not saying that you shouldn't come to church, that you shouldn't engage in worship, that you shouldn't be in, involved in a C group. But that's where some of you are living from. You're, you're not like operating like in the, you're not tapping into, like you're using those things. You're using church services, worship services, prayer meetings, city group. You're using it as just like, I've got to get there because I'm running dry and I need that. No, you got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And when you actually show up to the city group, you can be a source to somebody else. We need to be using a source-based system. But Jesus says, Jesus says, you don't have to live in such a way that you're dependent upon external circumstances to affect your inward spiritual condition. He's given us the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of us. It's like a well that's dug down deep in that subterranean river, and it will never run dry, Jesus said. Holy Spirit is the more you've been thirsting for. Let me just say this. The fact that you just even have an appetite for more 
is an indicator that there is more. Your appetite for more is an indicator that there is more. Maybe you found yourself saying, God, I want more. I want to grow. I want to do the stuff that I read about in my Bible. I want to hear you like people heard you. I want to trust you like these other people trust you. Your appetite is an indicator that there is more. It is good that you have a desire. It is good that you hunger and thirst. But, uh, um, Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, here's what we need to know about spiritual hunger and thirst. It doesn't operate the exact same way as physical hunger and thirst. Physical hunger and thirst, that comes on us when we haven't had anything to eat or drink in a long time. But the cool thing about spiritual hunger and thirst is that you, you can be hungry and thirsty for the things of God, and he will fill you, and all that does is make you more hungry and thirsty for the things of God. It's unique in that way. You know, you go, you go out after service today, you're going to go eat Chinese, and you're going to get all filled up on the Chinese buffet. What is this thing that people say, like, you know, you can eat Chinese food, and like an hour later, you can, you can still be hungry. I don't, know, but I don't know who those people are. Maybe because you're not eating enough. But when I eat Chinese food... I'm not hungry for a long time. It's probably because I overeat and overindulge. It's now time for J.D. to confess his sins that I may be healed and that you pray for me. So anyway, but when you, when you maybe, maybe I, this is awful. Maybe spiritual hunger and thirst is like eating Chinese food. I don't know, but you're still hungry and thirsty for an hour later. But, but listen, it, it, it's not the same. You, like, you get filled up, but then you have this desire, this craving for more. And, and so you feel like, well, what if I do, what, what do I do if I don't feel hungry and thirsty for the things of God? What do I do? I know I should be hungry and thirsty for the things of God, but I'm just not feeling it. What do I do? How do I get hungry and thirsty? You know what? Sometimes you just got to stir it up. You got to kickstart it. Number one thing you can do is pray and ask Holy Spirit to stir, to help you stir up that, that hunger and thirst. But I don't feel like praying. You're missing the point. You don't feel like praying? Pray anyway. I don't feel like going to church. Go anyway. This is one of the things we said to the dream team on Wednesday. We were, we were doing a leadership coaching block, and we were talking about the power of discipline. Discipline is the bridge between the gap of what you desire and what you actually accomplish. Discipline is the thing that actually helps you bridge the gap between, well, this is what I actually do, but here's what I desire to do. And discipline is the thing that makes that gap draw nearer and nearer and nearer. And so what you need to do sometimes is just operate the power of discipline. I don't feel like going to just go anyway. I don't feel like getting plugged into a city group. Get plugged in anyway. I don't feel like serving at church. Serve anyway. I don't feel like singing out and raising my hands. Worship anyway. What are you doing? You're closing the gap. You're stirring up spiritual hunger. You're doing things that are going to develop spiritual hunger and thirst on the inside of you. Your appetite is an indicator that there's more. And that more is the person of the Holy Spirit. 
we need to understand that Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit is not an it. Holy Spirit is not a thing. Holy Spirit is not just a spiritual force. I feel the force. You know, it's like, may the force be with you and also with you, you know, for the surgical faults. <laughs> Holy Spirit is not just spiritual energy. He's a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. He's part of the Godhead. You, you know, we spend so much of our lives, so much of our, our focus in the pursuit of things. Things are often the way that we medicate ourselves. Maybe you're feeling down for one reason or another. And then all of a sudden, you just find yourself in the power tool aisle at Home Depot. And you just all of a sudden find yourself coming home with a new saw. And you're like, wow, that feels good. You're medicating. You're, you've got this desire for more. And you're, you're, you're tapping into a natural thing to try to fulfill an internal or eternal desire. Maybe if you're really down, you come home with a motorcycle. Some wives in here are like, look, you better not. <laughs> Rick, I thought about that, but I wasn't going to say it, but your big mouth, he said a guitar. Anyway. Rick and I actually bought guitars together just a few weeks ago, didn't we? But we cleared it with the wives. It was all good, right? <clears throat> Ladies, you're not off the hook either. Maybe you don't come home with a stall or a motorcycle, but hey, I came home with a new purse or a new outfit. And y'all didn't even have to go to the mall to get it. Thank you, Amazon. Prime member. Two-day shipping. Thank you very much. Listen, the problem is, is that you're, you're living and you've got this, this hunger and thirst on the inside of you and you think you can satisfy your external cravings, or excuse me, your eternal cravings with external things. But it just doesn't work that way. You cannot satisfy eternal cravings with external things. The eternal more that we're longing for cannot be found in temporal things, but it can be found in an eternal person, person of Holy Spirit. Why is it important for us to be in relationship and engage with the person of the Holy Spirit? Because our relationship with Holy Spirit is imperative to our mission. Relationship with Holy Spirit is imperative to our mission. Every single Christian for the last 2,000 years has had the exact same mission. Jesus laid it out for us in Matthew 28. He said this, he says, Go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them all that I have commanded you. If you're a Christ follower, your mission is to not just take up space here on earth. Your mission is that everywhere that you step foot, you're looking for opportunities to disciple people. You're, we, we, here's what we're doing. We're evacuating hell and we're populating heaven. We're bringing the kingdom of God to earth. We're bringing the kingdom of his culture to the culture of these kingdoms. Right? We're bringing the culture of his kingdom to these kingdoms. And here's the thing, you cannot do it without the power of Holy Spirit. 
Oh, you can try. You can try, but you, your, your effectiveness will be minimal. It won't be maximized. Even the disciples, the disciples who walked and talked with Jesus, who had firsthand experience with Jesus, the disciples that when Jesus, after he was resurrected, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Even then, in Luke, in Luke 24 and in Acts 1, Jesus said to them, go to Jerusalem and wait for what I've promised you. Go and wait for what I've promised you. Wait for the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you power. You're going to need it. Right? Acts 1.8, what does Jesus say to the disciples right before he ascends to heaven? He says, you shall receive. You shall receive. That word in the Greek right there, that's the word dunamis. That's the word we get the word dynamite from. You shall receive dynamite power. We're not talking like Black and Decker power. We're talking about dynamite power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. We've got to have Holy Spirit. Relationship with Holy Spirit is imperative to our mission. Listen, Jesus modeled this method for us in his own life. Right? Before he ever preached a message, before he ever laid hands on the sick, before he ever turned water into wine, before he ever walked on water, before he performed any miracles, Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit at the Jordan River. Like, wait a second, JD, that was just that was just water baptism. No, that's not what Acts 10 says. Acts 10:37 says, You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus himself was anointed by the Holy Spirit. And so if Jesus didn't try to operate outside the power of the Holy Spirit, and the disciples didn't try to operate outside the power of the Holy Spirit, why in the world do we think that we can operate outside the power of the Holy Spirit? We put so much emphasis on methods, and materials, and tools, and intelligence, and academia, and all that stuff is really good. All that stuff is great, as long as it's subservient to the main thing. In our Western culture, in our Greek way of thinking, we've end up, ended up with skim milk faith. Some of you are like, I like skim milk. I heard a wise man once say, the only thing I hate more than lying is skim milk which is water lying about being milk. And that's what we have. We've got a skim milk faith because we've stripped everything out. We've watered down the leadership and the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, signs and wonders aren't for today. We have, we have the internet. We have jet planes. We, we, can, we don't need the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got modern things. No, I'm sorry. No, we've watered down prayer. We've watered down visions. We've watered down dreams. We've watered down all kinds of supernatural activity. We've watered down angelic visitations, words of knowledge, laying hands on the sick, prophecy, speaking in tongues. And we're just content with our skim milk faith. Mm. Mm. Believe in Jesus and you can go to heaven. And in the meantime, just be a good Christian. You know where that kind of theology gets you? It gets you into boredom. It gets you into doldrum, into apathy. It gets you into powerlessness. 
powerlessness. It's like being spiritually neutered. It's like being spiritually sterilized. Why in the world? Let me say this. Why in the world would we let Islamic jihadists be more passionate about their cause than we are about the passion of G- the cause of Jesus? Listen, hey, they, they, they are passionate and they're deceived by Satan. Why can't we be passionate and inspired and empowered by Holy Spirit? Come on. We need all the gifts of the Spirit in operation. We need the gift of healing. We need miracles. We need signs and wonders. We need spiritual dreams. We need uh, angelic visitations and spiritual activities. We need everything that the Holy Spirit has for us. Because if we don't, we can't accomplish the mission. We can try, but we won't be as effective. Stand up with me. We're going to read one more passage. Let's read this together here. Listen. I I don't know how to close this service. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to finish this. We're going to close the service. If you... We haven't even talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But if you know about it, and if you're just like, I think I need that, then I want to encourage you, you can have it today. Our prayer team is going to be over here on the wall. Whether you want Holy Spirit baptism, whether you need a healing, whether you need a financial miracle, whether you are like me and you're just dealing with like sinus issues right now. Listen, I had the prayer team pray for me this morning. And I expect... Because the Bible says when they lay hands on the sick that they'll recover. So I expect right now that I'm recovering. Whatever it is that you have need of, come and get prayed for it. If you, like, man, I, I don't know what I, I just, I do have, I want more. I want more. You know, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I don't feel like I'm walking in the fullness of it. That's okay. Come get prayed for. Come, come get a fill up. You know, you carry around that big old cup with you, that big old 7-Eleven thing, and you stop by 7-Eleven, you get that refill for 49 cents or whatever. Come on, come over here, get a fill up. It's worth a lot more than 49 cents. Let's read this. Luke chapter 11, verse 9. Jesus says this. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Praise God. The one who seeks, finds. Thank you, Jesus. To the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Yes, that's what I want. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Now, wouldn't that be ugly? That's like something an older brother does to a, to a younger sibling, but not a dad. Or if, if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? Listen, if you then... Though you're evil, you know how to good give, uh, give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? More is part of your inheritance. Some of you are believing the lie. Well, that's just not for me. That's just not for me. It's for every believer. It's for every believer. Listen, you're like, well, I've been prayed for to, to receive Holy Spirit baptism before, and I, just didn't, I didn't feel like I got it. It's okay. Just keep praying. And it doesn't have to be here at church. You know, I know countless stories 
of people who didn't even know anything about Holy Spirit baptism, but they were just pressing into the things of God in their own private time, in their car, in their bedroom, and all of a sudden, boom, they get Holy Spirit baptized with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You don't, listen, you don't have to have perfect theology to get it. You don't have to have, have all the check marks to get it. You're like, well, what's the difference between what Jesus had received the Holy Spirit and then Acts chapter 2? Listen, we're going to get into all that later. We're not, it's a, 10 after 11. We're not going to preach a whole other sermon. The point is, is if you want more, it's available to you. You can have it, and you don't have to wait till next week. If you want to wait till next week, that's your choice. But you don't have to wait. Listen, you weren't created to just get by. You weren't created to just take up space. You weren't created to just barely make it. You were created to be an overcomer. You were created to be a world changer. And if that's what you want, then you need Holy Spirit. Today, like I said, it's just an introduction. Over the next few weeks, we'll dig down on this a little bit more into this subterranean river. Let's pray. God, we ask you... We, I said, God, we ask you to open the lid. You've already opened the lid. God, we thank you. You've opened the lid. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're readily available to every single one of us. We want everything that you've promised to us. We want more. We want a life that's making a difference. We want a life that's expanding the boundaries of the kingdom of earth further, or the kingdom of God on the earth further and further and further and further. Holy Spirit, help us. Come and baptize us in your fire. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.